Last time on Out of the Forest. Circa 250 years ago. I must do it. It is the only way for us to to move on. I've, I've done my duty here, and I need you to carry on the legacy. Jairus, you wake up in the bed of your small studio apartment. They'll only really protect those with the will to fight against the darkness, and they seem to be seeking new owners. Good morning, yes. Um, do you have Will? N- no, my husband Will, he just went to work. As you slide the amulet on, um, you feel like a fog is being lifted from your mind. We were so happy and we had a family, and what changed? Alright, that's quite enough, Alec. Uh, we have work to do, and I can't just keep playing the dog routine. Did, uh, okay, um, you're definitely talking, right? Yeah, yeah, you live in a village where the moon turns red and they sacrifice a child to prevent beasts from running loose. And the weird thing you're concerned with is a dog talking? Okay, let's, let's move along. Someone's searching for us, and it's in our best interest to find them. As weird as it is, I want you to put on this medallion. Alright, Alex is gonna take the amulet and just be like, well, it's definitely not the weirdest thing I've done today. My name is Sergeant Raymond Shanes, I'm with the, I'm with the United States Army. Alright, well, thank you all for giving me this, despite the false pretenses. This brandy wine, are, are things alright here? Uh, absolutely not. Yeah, I didn't think, I didn't think they'd be. That seems to be the case all across this country. Hello and welcome to Out of the Forest, an actual play podcast about recording issues, back injuries, NFL crunch time, and all other manner of cursed things. We are currently playing Monster Week by Michael Sands. I am Chris and I am your GM slash keeper and I am joined by my players. I'm Evan and I play Justicar Jarris Hastings. I'm Dominic and I play Sergeant Raymond James. I'm Jessica and I play Alexander Everhart. And I'm Alistair, and I play Beth Waterman. All right, cool. Um, so, just as a heads up, we had something about having Mike Sands on the podcast just caused just infinite delays. A lot of stuff happened. Um, our previous episode was recorded before that special played, so you won't get this warning until after you've listened to the episode after Mike Sands's, because uh, our recording schedule is nonsense. Uh, but this is all just to say, as I've given a warning in an episode, another episode where, where we had this issue, uh, that if anything is slightly inconsistent, especially character voices, though I think the only character voice I really did were some paladins that are probably long dead, and, um, a, a, a magic dog, which I might just overdub, we'll see. Um, if any of that seems slightly inconsistent, that's why, um, and I apologize for, for that, but this is like a one-shot, so I'm not gonna take the extra mile to make sure everything's exactly down to the line no don't apologize for it we're eventually doing this we're vengefully doing this <laughs> what, <laughs> oh what, what is the first crime that has called for vengeance <laughs> mm, i don't think i want to answer that on a recorded podcast i'm so concerned but i'm going to drop it so we can start this damn podcast <laughs> I'm in. I'm in love with the idea that there is a first crime and then additional. <laughs> <laughs>
The four of you gathered up and made your way outside of the forest, the amulets protecting your minds from whatever curse has befallen the town of Brandywine. You eventually make it back to the parking lot where you left all of your vehicles, and you load up. Beth getting behind the wheel of her... Was it an SUV or a minivan? Uh, it's a minivan. Um, her minivan. Uh, Justicar Jairus Hastings very hesitantly uh, getting back into this horrible steel beast. Uh, and Sergeant Raymond Jane's also loading up in the minivan as uh, Alexander and um, his his dog <laughs> climb atop the, the motorcycle, the dog climbing atop his back. No, he has a seat at the side. Right? Oh, right, the sidecar. See, I, he I has a, knew he has a sidecar for the puppy. <laughs> it, <laughs> it was just a general joke at the time, though, that he was consistently on his back. <laughs> so, to be fair, Jess, you were also the one that said we would be inconsistent as a manner of vengeance. <laughs> so the dog is now on your back again. No, he has a sidecar. <laughs> maybe, maybe when you've earned it. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. You God, all... Chris is so mean to me. <laughs> we have a just God in our mists. Y- you all get into your, your vehicles and begin driving off. Um, and you're making it back towards the, the uh, uh, main portion of town. As there, y- you uh, are, are surprised to hear the whoop whoop of a, of a cop car lighting up its sirens right behind you. What do you do? Wait, is he lighting up his sirens behind one of us specifically? Um, I think you guys are probably driving pretty close to one another. That way you guys can sort of stay together. Okay. Um, so it's just sort of behind your little setup. I don't know exactly how... Um, I'm presuming Alexander's following because you're on the motorcycle. Yeah, most and likely, be- yes. Being in front of the minivan might be a bit of a harrowing experience. Yeah. Now, now hold on. Y'all got, y'all got cops out here? Well, of course. There's cops everywhere. We should pull over. No, that that ain't how... Hmm. She's she's pulling over as this is happening. Okay. <laughs> Ale- Alexander, Alexander is going to regretfully pull over uh, with with the minivan because he doesn't want to like lose them, but he's also debating of how to get out of whatever ticket that they're about to get. <laughs> Alright, uh, the cop car pulls over alongside your, your micro-caravan and... Um, the convoy thank you sure your micro convoy um and uh the 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 police officer steps out of his car uh and very slowly makes his way up to the driver's side uh window of the minivan uh looking alexander up and down as he does so um and he alexander kind of... glares right back at him <laughs> With the dog okay. on his back. <laughs> okay. Also glaring. Uh, he gives you a look that's that that's very much communicates like I I I'll be with you soon. Um, and then he he taps he wraps his knuckles against the window of uh the driver's side of your minivan, Beth. Uh, she'll roll the window down a little bit. Uh, is there a problem, officer? He looks at, like, through your window, kind of looks at all the, the passengers of your car, um, and goes, Just saw you driving out from the edge of town. It's not safe for folk to be 
traveling too far to the edge of Brandywine, so close to the red moon. What the fuck is wrong with this guy? He's under the influence. He sounds so possessed. (laughs) 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 Oh. I mean, we're just hurrying back now. Um, Nothing... Nothing happening, really. Uh, is it is it illegal to be driving out there? Hmm. Not illegal per se, but get acting too suspicious, and I might have to take you into custody just for the safety of the town. Oh, this guy's this guy's profiling. <laughs> this motherfucker's profiling. How dare he? Is, <laughs> Chris, is he a cop? Uh, he is in a cop's uniform at the very okay. end. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> he's not, like, a cultist in a cop car. No, he's not just, like, a guy coming out in, like, fucking bathrobes put over <laughs> his head. engraved into his head. Surely mustache that he's twiddling as he does so. <laughs> okay, just, just make it sure. Uh, he does have a mustache, but it's, like, a, a nice handlebar. It's not a... Mm. And he's got he's got the, he's got the nice uh, mirrored aviators, which I think is a bit of a redundant statement. But um, he uh, goes, "I'm gonna just let you off with a warning for now, uh, seeing as you're you're uh, Mr. Waterman's wife, right?" Yes, that's right. Upstanding citizens, you paid the price you had to and the town appreciates that uh he looks over at you alexander and goes you with him yeah all right all of you then just uh keep to the straight and narrow you won't have to have any more these little talks and he makes his way back to his cruiser and uh turns off the the lights and begins driving down the road is there um chris is there any identifying features of this cop car like is it just a just a regular cop car or is there anything on it that like a number or anything like that that we could use to identify it again that's a, that is an excellent question and i actually have an answer for because i'm a pair gm sometimes yeah <laughs> uh you take a look at this cop car and you realize um Something that you're not 100% certain you would have noticed a couple hours ago before you got this meda- uh, this uh, amulet from uh, Jairus. And that is, it is essentially just a white and black car with, like, cop lights on the top. Like, there's... So it's not, like, an official cop car. There's there's no license plates. There's there's it, it just says police on the side. Suspicious. It doesn't say, like, Brandywine or, or Maryland Trooper or anything like that. It just says police. Um... <laughs> So yeah, it's it certainly doesn't seem like a normal uh, cop car. Now, whether that's due to the strangeness of this town in general or because this particular cop is suspicious, it's hard to say. But uh, yeah, it's it definitely doesn't have any of the normal like additional things that you'd expect. It's a vi- it's the most generic like neutral version of a cop car you've ever seen. Okay. Um, since we're still pulled over, um, I think. Alex Alexander is going to get off his bike and just, you know, walk up to the window of the van and just kind of uh, just lean over and just be like, um, so that guy's was super, super fucking weird, right? That wasn't just me? Yeah, I mean, do, does he represent some sort of authority, I guess? I mean, it didn't seem like he was 
really characterizing of someone who would be trying to protect us and help us. I mean, I took Yo. a look at a cop car and it it doesn't even look like an official cop car. It looked like just somebody wrote the word police on the side and assumed nobody would notice. It just looked super suspicious. Y'all, I don't, I don't know if y'all know this, but th- there are not there ain't police anymore. What? The 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 whole there are not police anymore. There is no Maryland State Department of Police. The only states with any sort of work and order are California and some of Washington. The the there are no police out here. So so who was that then? It's a damn good question. I think we need to be really careful. I mean somebody somebody's obviously watching us. I mean the guy said he saw us, so somebody's keeping an eye on us. Okay. What, where can we go that maybe we wouldn't be able to be watched or listened to? What? I don't even know. What's our plan? Let's go to the aquatic center. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk underwater. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Alex uh, just <laughs> smoked a huge bowl this morning before starting this adventure. <laughs> Damn, yeah. I can speak like there, yeah. <laughs> Maybe there's a sauna at the aquatic center and we can all just go pile into the sauna room and feel like we're secure from prying eyes. We're all just like sweating and talking it out. Yeah. God, it feels like a sauna in here. <laughs> Why are we still wearing all of our clothes? Oh my god. Um. I mean, we could come back to my house if we need to. I'm not sure if it's the worst place, but I'm not sure what what to trust anymore. I mean, do we have to worry about your your husband coming home? I mean, I I have a place of my He'll own. Be back at the end. Yeah, I'd be back at the end of work. Okay. If yeah. you yeah, if you live on your own, maybe that would be a better place to be. It might be, and I don't think really anybody would come looking for me. I hope. At least I don't know what I did in my past life, so... Um, I think that would be our best bet, though, to... To kind of hunker down there. The least amount of interaction that we can, you know, muster up. That sounds like a good idea. At least until we figure out what's going on and what we should do. You guys all load back up on your vehicles and uh, follow... Jairus' directions, which lead you astray a couple times as he tries to piece together, like, what memories he has of his town from his time trapped under the the sway of the blight. Uh, But you do eventually make it to the apartment, and obviously the the key that Jairus has still works to open up the door. And you all... As as we're driving there, um, Raymond is just like, so so hold on, y'all just have, like, a Wendy's? As they pass by a Wendy's. (laughs) Oh, is, does this Wendy have some sort of significance? Uh, I haven't. Uh, well, Chris, how long has this been happening? Uh, the whole shit show situation? That's a great question. We'll go with, like, we'll say year and a half, maybe. I haven't had Wendy's in over a year, and I just... I wouldn't, I wouldn't be against getting a cheeseburger. I'm putting that out there. <laughs> Oh, well, if we need to stop for lunch or something, we can certainly do so. Maybe maybe when there ain't so much uh, tension. 
I just, I just want to posit that. That could be our victory meal at the end. It's going to come back. It's, it's just the end of the, the fucking Avengers movie and just like after the credits, y'all are just eating Wendy's. Oh no. We said it here, and we're gonna we're gonna here bring it we're gonna bring it back at the end, full circle. All right, y- y'all make it to to Cheris's apartment or his uh, I don't know, rented small house, I guess. Townhouse, I guess. Yeah, townhouse. Mm-hmm. There we go. Cheris's townhouse, uh, and y'all load up in there. Uh, since Dominic made a point of declaring that there are no apartments in this town, which is a fair point, uh, even if we are in a fictionalized version of it. Um, Y'all load up in there and, and kind of get seated around the, um, the the kitchen table. All right. Well, so I'd love to get a little more information about where I am and what's going on. I would, too. The town is technically Brandywine. That, that is actually something that's statics, believe it or not. Um, but as our... Um, captain here? No, sergeant. 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 I didn't want to pull a rank. Um, (laughs) Has said, uh, where he comes from, things are uh, not as great. So, Um, I believe something that has taken hold of this town as I fought against in in the past, so to speak. Um, I think think you're cutting that a little short. Something's taken hold of the whole whole country. Um, I... Me and my team just flew over Washington, D.C. I don't know that there's a single living person in the entirety of the D.C. metro. Uh, no living beings? Nowhere outside of this town, insofar as I have seen. What? I mean, is there a disease? Is there something... I mean, that many people dying just... It just doesn't happen out of nowhere. Well, there's a... Uh... Well, they're calling it the blight, and it's this phenomena of corruption that's spread across the whole whole country. Um, I'm stationed out of California. That's that's about the only spot that hasn't been hit. Does anyone out there know that there are still people alive? You said you didn't even know that we were here. No, I didn't. I'd been sent out to do reconnaissance. Um, we were sent to take a look at D.C., but a helicopter went down as we made our way into the area. I ended up here and called it Brandywine. Yeah. And he, he has like a little notebook that he, he writes that down in. Uh, Chris, is there... Do I have any notes from like the when I first arrived here in my secret closet perhaps oh uh, yeah you you uh as as you see his notebook it, it, it springs this inspiration upon you like hold on what else did i keep in there as the memories are steadily trying to come back to you of of like your previous life as as the the life you lived in brandywine fades more and more into the distance uh go ahead and give me an investigative mystery rule actually as as you you try and find what notes you might have left yourself uh in case uh, the Blight's effects might affect your memory because you were, you know, an established paladin who was good at fighting the Blight. First roll of the day. That's an eight. All right. Um, you find uh, your journal, and 
your memories are, are pretty pretty well getting back to you. Uh, when when you came here, when you came to Brandywine, you be, your your devotion essentially kind of kept you shielded from immediately succumbing to the blight, uh, but it wasn't going to keep you forever. Uh, and you were kind of working on limited mental capacity as you fought against this literal like psychic attack. And so all you knew is that like you needed to hide away your stuff so that way any agents of the blight that showed up couldn't like would would believe that you were gone but you could return someday as you, you now have. Uh, and one of the things that you, you stored that you, that you took with you uh, from the, the essential tomb you kept yourself in for the past two centuries um, was your notebook about everything you knew about the, the blight. Uh, however, while the spell kept you protected from aging over those years, uh, your your journal unfortunately did not get so lucky, and it's a lot of it's tattered or eaten away. Um, but there are some pages that are still there, so there's there's definitely information in there, and with enough time, you probably could parse more out of it just by piecing together context clues and remembering when you wrote these notes and what you might have written there. Uh, but for now, there's only like one or two or three pages that are fully intact. Uh, and with that knowledge, uh, you can go ahead and ask a question, assuming it's about the blight itself. Go ahead. So I'll just ask you, what do I know about this creature that has been forgotten? That's fair. Uh, yeah, so as the exiled, Jarus uh, Jer- uh, has a move called Learned, which adds additional questions he can ask about things um, when he investigates a mystery. They're kind of based around the idea that like he fought this in the distant past. Uh, so what do you know about this creature that has been forgotten? Um, I-, I think that places with high enough concentrations of the blight uh, and when you were fighting it, like, during your age, the Blight was still a problem, but it wasn't as bad as it is now, because at that point, uh, the Order of the Red Sun had kind of been doing its job. That's why towards, like, the middle of your life, you were sealing it away. Like, it was... You were on the winning side of that battle. Um, but, like, you have notes about your studies about it that talk about, like, towns subsumed by the Blight, um, where, like, the, the the glory of, of devotion and faith could barely shield you against its mental attacks, which that much you know, but something that may have been forgotten, something that, that makes sense according to um, what the sergeant's saying here, is that the blight literally is... You, you can't reach into it from the outside. So any sort of like ways of detecting what's inside of a... a, a uh, what what your notes refer to as a as a, uh, a a blight fog, uh, which is just like what this thing infecting the town is. Um, you you need to be inside it to detect anything else that's inside of it. You can't, you can't really get a good read on what's happening in there from the outside of it. Okay, I think he like flips through a little bit of his notes and says, uh, "Sergeant, when you're coming in, I imagine that you you know couldn't really see anything from the outside." Like, as you approached the town, did it look like it was, like, a large cloud, basically, kind of? I'll be totally honest. I don't quite know. Uh, my approach to the town was spiraling downwards. Did mm. not get a good look. But as we flew over D.C., I mean, I could had a hard time making anything out. As we flew over half the country. It was almost impossible to make anything out. Okay. Well, it definitely means that the light that I thought 
it's probably also you know happening once again and i doubt that there's been anybody to fight it back so the town itself i mean now that you all are feeling hopefully a little bit more freed i mean we could just kind of go around and see if there's anything that you know now seems a little bit awkward or strikes out to any of you all um we only got a small look at it but i'm sure things would seem much clearer now if you all now that you all have the ambulance on um chris is the is oblique still like on my back or is is he sitting in a chair next to me or something i think he's settled into just laying on your feet for the moment okay that way you can't run yeah smart uh but also like Staying on your back's probably pretty exhausting for him, especially as he did it for the entire motorcycle race. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's resting. Um, yeah, Alex. Alex is gonna look uh, look down at Oblix and kind of nudge him with his foot, uh, wake him up, and just say, uh, "Do you know anything about this blight thing?" He gives you a pretty angry look at that, uh, and kind of like rolls off your feet and then rolls to to standing up. Uh, on two legs or four? <laughs> oh god. No, not two legs. God Christ. Uh, establishing dominance. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> like a kangaroo. <laughs> uh, he kind of crawls out from under the, the table you're sitting around uh, and looks at you and goes, I'm sorry, what? I thought you guys would have had this handled. What was the question? Can Am I the Can only I? one able to hear this yeah. thing? Can we hear the dog talking? That's a great question. Let me let me read what you're thinking. You have a mystical spirit who helps and fancy to find them and their powers and the creepers screaming. Their look is one of yada yada. Uh, that is your decision. Oh. What do do you want it to just be? You can you, only you can hear Oblix, or do you want it to be anyone who with an earshot can hear him? See, part of me is like I think it would be great to be a you know four crazy kids and they're talking dog. But <laughs> but other part of me, though, loves the idea of Alec just straight up talking to this dog and no one else hearing the dog and people thinking he's, like, off his rocker. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, with uh, option B. No one can hear him but me. All right, yeah, so that's the, the, the dog says this, and all the rest of you hear are just... Uh, are you... Hun, are you talking to your dog? Um, I mean, yeah, he seems to be pretty knowledgeable about stuff. Um, the, uh, <laughs> o- Obelix laughs and uh, goes, they, they can't hear me, Alex, only you can. And the rest of you hear, er, <laughs> this dog sounds like it's dying. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, that was bad. Let me, let me, let me take it a second. <laughs> Like actual dog sounds. Yes. Okay. I apologize. I made a. I, that was a very bad attempt. I love Chris is just like voice acting this dog, and it goes from like actual dog noises to sound like it's like choking. <laughs> Give the dog a hind leg. I've just gotta pick pumpkin up and like shake him in front of the mic and let him Poor make pumpkin. noises. Pumpkin's super confused. Um, Alec is just gonna like after hearing that he's the only one that can hear Obelix, is just gonna kind of, like, like, heave a big sigh and just be like, of course. Of course. Of course that's how it works. <laughs> and, um, 
um, and kind of like give like a reassuring like thumbs up and a smile to everyone like hey I'm not crazy <laughs> and like um, go back to Oblix and say well I mean we haven't really f there's not really much information about this thing so if you know anything it would be great if you could share it yeah uh, go and give me an investigative mystery okay well yeah ask someone else for information about it hey. what do we got that's a seven. All right, Aha. yeah. Uh, so you get to ask one question. I don't know if I can ask what sort of creature it is because the blight doesn't seem like a thing. I mean, you can definitely ask that. Yeah, sure. And I will make that. it work. Um, so, so Oblix responds with, uh, and and they uh, respond to this with a question that your character would ask in per in like within the actual fiction. Uh, Oblix goes, "I'm supposed to be guiding you to." Finding your own answers, but I suppose giving you a little bit of a springboard couldn't hurt. What exactly do you want to know? I mean, people just keep describing this blight thing as some weird entity. What is it exactly? Well, I was uh, drawn to your inquisitive nature about your specific dealing with this specific blight. See, the blight is... Well, it's the source of all monsters, I guess you could say. And the one, the one specific to this town is a bestial thing born of the willing betrayal amongst men. So, so it's a physical thing. Yes, in order to... Th there is a core to each of believe and you all watch as Obelix makes his way over and jumps up on you Jerish just like puts his paws on your shoulder and like gazes over your shoulder at your notebook on the page that you're looking at about the the blight fog uh, and goes ah yes uh, that's uh, the each blight fog and just in your ear Jerish the doctor's like <laughs> <laughs> um, has something like a uh don't know if there's a determined term for it, but like a core of, of blight energies. I don't know. I'm just a dog. But it it that is the cause of all the problems in the this town. So it's it's the, it's this core, and there's one specific to each place uh, corrupted by the blight. So if we if we figure out what the core is and figure out how to put a stop to it, we can put a stop to the blight. Uh, Obelix shrugs his shoulder and then jumps down from uh, Jairus's, uh shoulder and then crawls on over and just lays down at your feet and just goes, it's time for you to start searching, searcher. <laughs> and goes back to sleep. Yeah, yeah, passes back out. <laughs> Alex is just kind of kind of like slumped back in his chair and just be like, huh. <laughs> hey, man, quick, quick question. You just got swords in your closet? <laughs> I love how um, I love how the sergeant completely disregards the person talking to a dog and is like, "Huh, weaponry." <laughs> I mean, he probably saw me open this door and saw uh, I guarantee you a suit of armor and some weapons in there. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, you, do you want one? <laughs> We're probably gonna need it. Uh, you said you've been fighting this thing before. How long have you been doing that? Honestly, what? 
year is it? And I'm going to ask the sergeant here <laughs> to be safe knowing this town. So we don't know shit. Mm. <laughs> uh, Chris? That is, uh, who? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Do we want to date this podcast or not? <laughs> it is relatively modern. The answer that the sergeant gives you is approximately 250 years after you were sealed away, and that's all I'm going to say for that. Okay, I mean, that tracks. Damn you, Chris, and your convoluted <laughs> years and times and dates. Look, I don't, I, I, I don't want to seal us on some year that's already happened, and I don't want to go too far in the future uh, because who knows when 2020 will actually end. But I do, I do love oh. the idea mm. of, like, you know just perpetually anything and when anything bad happens we just always refer back to it like it's oh, it's 2020 you know yeah <laughs> i wonder when that will fade what, what year did this horrible blight start it was in 2020 we don't discuss it's, it it's 2021 because i said a year and a half ago the blight started <laughs> oh shit uh no but yeah it's, uh, it, it is okay. non-specifically modern like i don't feel like putting a year on it okay it is somewhat in the future of the year that it is now. Well, <laughs> so then, I mean, I've at least, well, I did it most of, most of my life. I was kind of raised to fight against this blight when it was uh, around about, you know, a couple hundred years ago, essentially. You were around a couple hundred years ago? Yeah, and I know that might sound hard to believe, but um, you know, I was basically sealed away to kind of deal with this if the blight got out of hand again and well here we are i guess so i'm gonna ignore the fact that you're from the past but you have experience dealing with this and so right now there might not be anyone in the rest of the world coming to help us that even know that we're alive and here but you know what you're doing and you can help free us right i i do and it's my goal but unfortunately being magically sealed away has its tolls, and it's not a perfect magical kind of situation. Um, I don't have all of my memories about, you know, what has happened or what what we did against the Blight. I'm slowly kind of still getting it back together where I can. Some of them I may never remember. But, yes, I do at least. It is my goal to, once again, rid the world of this Blight. Well, uh, Oblik's over here, and Alex just kind of, like, uh, gestures to the sleeping dog sleeping on his feet. Um, he said that if we, if we can find the core of the blight for this town, we can, we can beat it. That would make sense. It usually had isolated cases of where it would exist in larger populations and try and spread it spread as much as possible as quick as possible so yeah if we can kill what's concentrating in this area then might be good yeah but he said the blight is the source of all monsters and each one has a core and he said the core of this particular area is the betrayal of man y'all if if the black can be fought like this then well, shit, I can take this back to HQ and we can actually get a, head, a heading on this thing. I mean, like, if we can find a way for you to get out of here. I don't know if it'll be as easy to get out of here as you think. And judging by the fact that when we came even close to and we're driving into town from the edge, 
I'm sure people are going to be watching and waiting. But if we can... If we can defeat the blight of this area and lift the fog of this area, that might give you enough clearing to to leave and take this information back to somebody who can use it. Well, hell, we have phones. Could, <laughs> could we just... Could we just call California? Um, is that something we've done in the, like this is totally off off topic, but like uh, it's completely out of character. Is that something? Because I remember when we originally said that this was like an area where is this like an area in Munzo where like nobody leaves and like it's very concentrated. Like, has there been any contact with the outside world at all? Yeah, I mentioned last time um, that the thing about how this. Uh, how, how the blight fog, as I've so titled it, works uh, upon your mind. Uh, whenever someone has tried to leave, either something's gone wrong and prevented them from doing so, or they've just lost the desire to before they even really begin. Like, the, the inhabitants generally just don't feel inclined to leave because that's not what the blight wants, and the blight's kind of very in their heads. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I don't... Theoretically, I I, we could just call California. You can certainly try. Okay. It's probably like the phones are dead or it's not going to let us, but not that we've ever tried that before, because being under the influence of the blight, there's no reason for us to try to call elsewhere. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Alex is going to kind of think about it and just think about the fact that, no, he has never ever tried to call out of the country or call anyone else besides anyone who, like, lives in Brandywine. And, um... And just kind of like, I mean, I guess we could give it a shot. Someone dial California. <laughs> Jairus has no idea what you guys are talking about. Well, I mean, you can just say, uh, Sergeant, do you have a number or someone you know in California? Someone you trust that we could call? Like, do 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 cell phones even function? Uh, yeah, Sergeant... like It's not like Verizon is still keeping things going. Yeah, Sergeant James, you pull out your phone. <laughs> Verizon lives they're... even through the apocalypse. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, I'm just, I don't think, I don't think you would have a phone because that's not how you would communicate with, Satellite you know, phone, maybe? in the Actually, military. No, you like... might have like a sat link or. That's fair. You some need a other radio. Um,. Okay, well, I mean, then... if your if your communication, I mean, if we're going actually what military people do, um, if your communication is like down, there, I'm sure there's numbers that you can call, and you just have to give them a specific like code to verify your identity. You know what I mean? Because yeah, it's gonna have like I yes, think... you do have like sat links and stuff like that, and like all this other type of equipment. If you get dropped in the middle of nowhere, you have communication equipment, but that communication equipment can get damaged. So if something goes wrong in your um mission or like whatever a helicopter crash right yeah so like there yeah. there is um i don't know exactly what that number is but I'm, i mean i can ask my dad if we really want to be that accurate um, well i don't want the military's i don't want the military's secret numbers <laughs> <laughs> but um, i don't want to be on i mean that i can list. ask him what actually happens in that situation but like i'm pretty sure that if there's no other form of communication, and you get to a payphone, or you get to a phone, you get to something, I'm sure that there is some form of number that you can call, and then all you have to do is just verify your identity with a specific code, and then yeah. establish My, my question, I guess, is is for Chris with, in terms of, like, 
How how are our phones going? Uh, yeah, like infrastructure wise, I guess. You, you, uh, we'll go with Alex, I guess. Then Alex, you pull out your phone, and there there is like one or two bars on there. Um, beyond that, you're not sure, honestly, because okay. you, you you've only tried to call people you knew in town while you were under the lights influence. Um, so who knows? I mean, uh, Alec is gonna, you know, pull up the number pad and like hand it over to the sergeant and just say, I mean, give it a try. Raymond, uh, kind of grabs the phone and punches in his contact number back in, in California, like the emergency contact for, um, he just calls military personnel. <laughs> I don't know. The same police officer uh, picks up. All right, you, 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 call, you call your emergency number, and there is an extremely weird tone, um, like one that you've never heard a phone make for like a few seconds uh, before the the phone just goes, The call you are trying to make cannot be completed as dialed. Please hang up and try again. And then that weird tone continues playing. <laughs> you have to put a one in front of it. He, he hangs up and tries again. Uh, same exact thing happens. Yeah, I didn't think that would work. Worth a try. What exactly are you trying to do? I, I admit, I've seen these square devices and you all have looked at them, but I have no idea what they are. It's like a letter, but it goes real fast. Uh, Sound gets transported from this device to another device. It's the future. Money can ah. be exchanged for goods and services. <laughs> <laughs> so like a scrying sonos. Okay, I, I, think I, I think I understand. Thank you. Uh, at this point, uh, Alex uh, Obelix speaks up again, uh, just like sort of like one eye open, looking up at you, and just goes, "By the way, Alex, uh, time don't work exactly the same in these blight fogs as it should. I'd uh, keep an eye on the clock whenever possible." And uh, you look over at the uh, for for the purpose of a dramatic reveal. Um, the, the analog clock that Jairus has on the wall and its seconds are moving very extremely quickly and like a, an, an, an hour or so has passed in the, the like 15 or so minutes he's been talking. Um, Alec is gonna like basically jump up from his chair and like go up to the analog clock and like I'm assuming it's one that's just like just like not like fastened to the wall but you can like take it off. Right? Uh, yeah. Okay. It's just like a h- hanging one that's battery powered. Okay. Yeah. Alec is gonna just straight up take that thing off the wall and just like look at the back and see if there's anything wrong with it and just be like, uh, uh what the fuck is your name again? <laughs> Jaris. <laughs> My name is Jaris. Yeah. Okay. Jaris, man, is there something wrong with your clock? I don't know what you mean. Oh my god. How, we were only what? Where are the gears? Where's the pendulum? What's happening in there? <laughs> <laughs> um, Obelix just told me that time goes different in the Blight Fog. I mean, if this clock is right, I mean, we've been sitting here for like an hour. I've heard it does warp things around. The Blight tends to warp things around it, reality at times. I mean, it made this whole town. I imagine that wouldn't be too far-fetched for time to work differently as as well. So we need to get going and make some progress here, I think. Yeah, what you're saying is we have less time before the sacrifices than we thought and the sacrifices alec is kind of like looking around just saying hey hold hold the phone the sacrifices the sac yeah i mean we thought they were normal that was something we were dealing with for 
I guess however long this has been going on, we thought it was just the way things were, but I mean, evidently it's not. No, no, it ain't. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, just like what the fuck? <laughs> Who? You know what? You can explain this to me on the way to whatever the next step is. Beth, you you do recognize that like with the time as it has passed, it's getting pretty close to time for the meeting at which it is decided who will be sacrificed. Yeah. Later tonight, there's supposed to be a, a town meeting with everyone to decide who's going to who's going to be sacrificed. Maybe that's our next step. I mean, I'm not crazy, but this what is it? This group that runs the sacrifices that you all have mentioned. I mean, that's one thing that's not right about this town. Maybe we just need to get more information about them, and they might lead us to this source of the blight, perhaps. Oblix mentioned that the core of the blight that we're in is the betrayal of man. I mean, sacrificing people against their will seems like a big betrayal to me. Maybe that's what it is that we need to stop. Maybe if we stop the sacrifice from happening this time around, that can lift the blight fog. We do have to be careful, though, because everybody else is like you were they assume that this is something that needs to happen and if it doesn't go through we could be labeled as the next people to (laughs) kill going against uh something that's very close to being tradition is obviously uh chris historically have there been has there been a year where we haven't or i don't know if a year has there been an opportunity where we have not done a sacrifice and we have witnessed the beast um do we know that that's true it's it's spoken of. It's happened once, and it was a a terrible, terrible time. Many many more people than just the one sacrifice were killed. Okay. This isn't a uh, uh-huh. a, a fallout situation where it was secretly a test to see if you would stop sacrificing your fellow man. Like there is an actual threat on the other end. Okay. Yeah. Um. If we do stop the sacrifice, I mean that's great we're saving a life but remember the reason why they had a sacrifice on someone in the first place was because it was supposed to keep the the beast at bay and the one time that we weren't able to do that many many more people died i mean are we sure are we sure that that's happening i don't i honestly don't think we can trust anything in our minds right now i mean it's true i don't remember the details all that well and i guess the more and more i think about it the more suspicious it is. I just don't want to think that all the killing we've been doing was for nothing. It's it's definitely a fucking hard pill to swallow, that's for damn sure. I mean, I don't want to think about the fact that, that they took my sister away from me and her death was just meaningless. But we definitely have to do something and try. So, I mean, I, I vote that we go to this meeting and see if we can figure something out try and be as inconspicuous as possible (laughs) sergeant james looks at the uh fully automatic assault rifle he has in his hands (laughs) and says all right i guess i'll leave this here then (laughs) leave it in the van i mean you can i'm sure if we keep everything in this probably out and bring this in huh (laughs) it might it might uh you know, the seem to have been a pretty good hiding spot. I mean, if we need to keep anything safe, I'm sure we can keep it in there for now. 
Yes, I, I highly recommend anything we don't want getting caught. Um, stored in here, and it should. <laughs> Alec just picks up Obelix and puts them in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> that dog will not Safekeeping. hit it. <laughs> That'll teach him. It'll cut itself on my gigantic sword. <laughs> my swords. Don't touch anything. Now, now, Sergeant, this is a pretty small town. We all know each other fairly well. I'm not sure if you'll be recognized, and if you're not recognized, they might realize you're not from around here. Let's get him a baseball cap. Yeah. <laughs> At least we need to get you out of uh, your current attire, for sure. Um, I, I think we're roughly about the same size. If you want to go through my put, closet put on and the, find the, some the, normal the armor, clothes. It might work better. <laughs> Show up in full suit of armor. I could always, uh, I don't know, find a spot outside of the meeting place. Is it indoors or out of doors? It takes place at the, the volunteer fire department. Ironic. It's, yeah, normally inside. All right. Uh, I guess he'll change into civilian attire and like kind of pull a cap down over his face and hide his nine millimeter somewhere <laughs> on his person. That's fair. Yeah, I like and it. And his big his big fuck off knife. <laughs> his big old Bowie knife. All right. So you guys are planning on heading to the meeting now? Yeah, we need more information. Yeah. Do we know what we're gonna do with the meeting? Yeah. The the sacrifice is not happening. This is just a preliminary portion, correct? To figure out who will be sacrificed. This or? is uh, it's chosen. The sacrifice is chosen at the meeting, and they are taken to a place that is simply called the holding cell until uh, the night of the red moon, at which point the legion claims them. Okay, so yeah, I mean we. We shouldn't have to really interrupt anything for the time being. I think we need to use this as a chance to fully understand this in the right state of mind, I guess, and then go from there. Okay. So let's not interrupt anything just yet. We just need to figure out. Um, I definitely don't want to have that sacrifice, um, you know, be killed. I think we need someone to actually track them when they're taken away. And then um, otherwise we can... You know, make sure we do some reconnaissance and figure out what's going on just by talking to people. Now, hear me out. What if, instead of following the person who gets chosen to be the sacrifice, what if it were one of us? What, like volunteer? Yeah. Can you volunteer? Then we could do it's that. It's never been done before. You'd be on the inside. We'd maybe not know where to find them, but we'd at least be working to find them. It might be easier than trying to sneak around. That's a pretty good idea. Um, Alec is going to look at Obelix and just is going to say, Hey, Obelix, do you have some form of, like, connection with me? Like, if I were to go somewhere, (laughs) would you be able to find me again? I mean, I take the form of a dog. I'm pretty good at tracking. I don't think we have especially, like, a spiritual link. I was drawn to you, though, I suppose. I could follow whatever drew me here in the first place. That really shoots me in the heart, Oblix. I thought we were connecting. <laughs> You've kept me on a leash and fed me kibble for the past however long. I, we, we're, we're about neutral, I'd say. I mean, I, I could volunteer. O- Oblix could, could help you guys find me. Reminder that all you hear is... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's pretty, good at, he's pretty about... good at tracking. He said so. 
I mean, he's a dog. I'm gonna take your word for it. Just, just to be clear, you can understand it. Yeah, yeah. No, he's he's talking for sure. I mean, fascinating. Can he understand us if we said, you know, okay, go find Alec? Would he know what to do? I'm assuming so. I mean, he doesn't look. I think he he can't understand you. Obelix has both his eyes closed and has rolled over on his side, but like very lazily nods his head as you look at at him for any kind of response. Yeah, (laughs) he can understand you. You just can't understand whatever language he's speaking. Not sure why I'm the only one who can, but glad I look like a crazy person now. Well, it's not the weirdest thing we've dealt with in the past 24 hours, so we'll take it as it is. Okay, well, Alrighty. we should probably head there soon so we don't miss it. Good God, look at the time again. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, I'm assuming I have some kind of a digital watch. Is my watch, like, doing the same thing? or? Uh, Yes, yes it is. I had, okay. had to think about how it would work within the rules I've been establishing for this uh, reality. Yeah, your watch is also ticking, like, at the, at the same rate as that clock is. It's worth mentioning um, the clock is not ticking at a um universally accelerated rate strangely enough while you're watching the time it's still moving faster than it should be but it's moving a lot fast or a lot slower than it is when you're not paying attention like mm-hmm. when as soon as you stop paying attention to the clock time just starts really speed running itself <laughs> i mean that just happens here too sometimes depending yeah no hmm. uh, again a lot of this like operates on like perception rather than like reality um, but yeah, you all gather up your things, hide away, uh, the machine S- Sergeant James's <laughs> AR, um, and are you all just going to load up into Beth's minivan, or is Alex going to keep taking his, uh, motorcycle? Um, I mean, Alec knows that, that he's going to volunteer himself, and he doesn't know if they'll, like, take his motorcycle away, if he does, you know? So I, uh-huh. I think he's going to leave it. And just hop, you know, go into the minivan with everybody else. Alright, yeah. You uh, you all hop in the minivan and Beth drives you off towards the Brandywine Volunteer Fire Department. Uh, and it is very much like the, the, the sun is just finishing setting. You can still see like, the last bits of light over the horizon. Uh, which is horrifying because like a couple, like three or four hours ago probably it was morning and that's a very disorienting feeling to be able to actually recognize that that's happening and you pull up to the volunteer fire department where you see other people getting out of vehicles and milling into uh the the meeting hall or the the door that leads to the stairs that takes you to the meeting hall do i see my husband uh yeah i i think um on the way there, you got you probably got like a text from your husband asking uh, where you work, so you're supposed to like be meeting back at uh, your home, uh, and you just let him know that you'd meet him at the meeting, uh, and he he's pulling up, yeah, and parking the car and kind of like looking around for you and spots your minivan and starts uh like casually jogging over. Um, Alec is gonna lean in and say, I think it's best if we hop out the other side of the door and disperse. I mean, it might be weird just to see us all randomly together. Yeah, I think we should act as normal as as we can. Yeah, so Alec is gonna, as slowly as possible, like, uh, or just as as discreetly as possible, open up the door on the opposite side of where her husband is, and like shoo everyone out, 
so that we can like disperse. <laughs> I love it. And, like, yeah. <laughs> that's great you you all just like slink out, out the, 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 the sliding door on the opposite side mm-hmm. of uh best husband and just sort of sneak around and then s- start like walking up the sidewalk as if you had walked here yep. um and, start and, we're all, and I, i'm like we should all walk a little bit separate you know what i mean like we're all getting here at different times <laughs> <laughs> and beth your Can husband arrives what, what was his name again i don't know if i have that written somewhere or not um, I forget. I feel like it was like David. I'll just continue calling him Mr. Waterman, and yeah, you can use pet names or whatever you want to do on your end. Maybe, maybe you okay. call your husband Mr. Waterman. <laughs> we're, we're Mr. A very Waterman, couple, spouse. Yikes. I don't, I don't well, love that vibe. Husband, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> uh. He kind of waves to get your attention as he as he approaches the van. Hi, hon. Sorry, I'm late. It's all, all good, Beth. Uh, what's uh, what you been doing out and about in the town? Oh, just uh, had to run some errands, you know. Um, you ready to go in? Um, he he, like you know, looks a little sad at that and just goes, "Yeah, I reckon." Uh, no need putting it off, shall we? Yeah, and she'll link her arm in his, and they'll go in together. Yep. Uh, are you all just eventually filtering in? Yeah, I think I think uh, Alec will take like find an empty spot somewhere, um, like in the back, or to like sit. Yeah, you all get on in there. Um, I think there's like a table with some fairly like store-bought cheese plates um which are they're fine nothing special uh there's a bunch of like folding chairs set up uh in rows facing towards a a small podium uh but right now everyone's sort of just arriving and mingling um some of them are 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 are, they, they all they're all talking fairly somberly for the most part uh you know it's even though they consider this normal, it's still not good, because that's kind of the point of the Blight, is that, like, you consider it's normal, but you're still suffering because of it. Yeah. Um, so, like, everyone's pretty, like, on edge and somber. Well, m- most people. There's there's a couple people who seem to not be as bothered as they should be, but even, like, no one's, like, smiling and laughing. Can, can, uh, can Alec, like, uh, can I survey the room and just to kind of see if there's anything... Now that I have an amulet around my neck and I have a little bit of a clearer mind, is there anything that I notice that might go over other people's heads? Uh, I don't think anything quite super overt here is is weird. Yeah, you you just you see people that you you know from around town. You see uh, Mayor Moholand uh, towards the back speaking with Doctor Calavaya. Uh, you see Artura Serrato. She's a little more jovial than the rest of them. You, you know this is uh, because, much to the chagrin of a lot of people, uh, no one she's super close with has ever been chosen as the sacrifice, and so she's... That's suspicious. N- yeah, not super, like... She's not, like, happy that the sacrifices are happening, but she she's much more willing to accept it as, oh, this is for the greater good than anyone else because, like, she hasn't had to sacrifice anyone she knows, really. And you see Sterling Abram, Cedar Aliyev, uh, Jacob Holm... And those are all the names I've prepared so far. <laughs> uh, you see a variety sure. of people. Uh, okay. Um, I'm assuming Obelix is, like, sitting next to my chair or something, right? 
Yeah. Um, you, you know, just for the fun of it, I think he has managed to magically manifest a service dog harness. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think Leaving Alec's you wondering gonna... why he didn't do that at the Duncan. I know, really. Um, Alec is going to give him a nice little pat on the head. <laughs> it, he he kind of uh, whispers to you, read the harness. It says don't pet. My bad. Sorry, man. <laughs> what is everyone else doing? They're all dead. Oh, no. <laughs> no! Dead. I was waiting for someone else to we go. Didn't, we didn't make it in. Oh. <laughs> Damn. No, um... The door's closed. <laughs> Jairus ended yeah. up bringing his sword. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what to do. I panicked. Beth, as as she and her husband are walking in, I mean, she's still, you know, she still loves him, and she wants him to wake up from this, like, you know, weird coma kind of state thing that everyone is in. Um, But she also knows that he might not be aware of what's going on, so I think she'll look for kind of opportunities to... You know, not just like poke him a bit and be like, you know, this doesn't seem right, does it? You know, our our son last year, you know, that was so heartbreak and it can't possibly be that this is the right thing to do, right? Could, you know, do you think maybe there is another way we could live? He keeps responding with various just sort of like, you know, we, it's it's what we got to do. You remember the beasts? It's... The, the Legion says it's necessary. Mayor Mulholland says it's necessary. It's, you got just gotta trust them. And we just gotta do what we gotta do. Those sacrifices. Of course, of course. Do you do you remember the beast? I'm finding it so fuzzy. They 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 were released and they they killed. And why why are you? It's it's hard enough without us having to question every little bit of it. It's it's just the way it is, huh? Just. Can we just get this over with? She'll just sigh. Yeah. Jairus and Raymond. I think uh, Jairus just kind of makes his way in and just kind of probably just kind of like stands at the at the back, kind of doesn't really like take a seat, just so he can get a good view of everything that's kind of going on from the back end of things. That's fair. Against the wall. Leans against the wall. Yeah, I, I think... Too cool for school. I think you recognize these people, but not quite as well as Alex does. Like, you recognize them, like... You can put a name to the face, but that's about it. You don't, like, have... Like, any of your memories of spending any time with them are gone, so, like, you couldn't say if you really knew them or not. Um, As your memories of your, your many great accomplishments as a paladin begin covering up all of your memories as a lawyer. Um, we're over to what... Uh, Raymond's doing at the start of this uh, meeting as everyone's sort of gathering waiting for the thing to begin. He is trying not to look suspicious and... <laughs> He's just whispering <laughs> just like... to himself, don't be suspicious. D- don't be suspicious. He, he's don't legitimately just trying to, like, not stand out in any way, shape, or form. That's fair. He's, like, you know, a fairly trained man, so he's probably just sort of, like, walking around, trying not to get too close to anyone, but also trying to not be obviously avoiding anyone. Something like that. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, yeah, I, I think all of you sort of get in your stations uh, chatting with one another. I do want to say I wanted to wait till we had sufficient distance from the actual legitimately kind of sad uh, conversation between Beth and her husband, uh, where I, I imagined a situation in which someone like Beth got an amulet who was in love with their partner very much and like, I can't stand to see this way and give them their am- amulet. And then their their spouse is like, I can't stand to see you this way and then gives them their amulet and he just goes oh, back no. and forth <laughs> forever. 
And we do that forever. <laughs> uh, yeah, eventually, um, Mayor Mulholland uh, goes up to the uh, podium, and pounds a little, a little gavel, and just goes, All right, everybody, we will be starting shortly if you all want to take your seats. Uh, and everyone begins filing into the, the, onto the folding chairs. Are you all joining, or what's your yeah. play? Yeah, Alec is going to sit down in a, in a folding chair with, with Obelix next to him. Obelix is going to go ahead and, and, and crawl underneath the seat, as a good service dog should. <laughs> whatever, whatever makes him happy. And uh, yeah, everyone sort of gathers, just a slight murmuring here and there, but everyone goes quiet again as Mayor Mulholland uh, pounds the gavel and just goes, Okay, it is my somber and regrettable honor to lead this meeting in choosing our sacrifice for the Night of the Blood Moon, which comes tomorrow. As you all know, I look amongst each and every one of you and see a cherished member of our community, but know that our community cannot exist without sacrifice. And so it comes to me to bring this meeting to order and open the floor to nominations. Um, while, while she's talking, Alec is going to lean down to Oblix and, and just kind of whisper and say, um, hey buddy, I know, I know you don't think our relationship's that great, but I really appreciate, you know, uh, all the company. So just make sure you, you take care of everybody while I'm gone. And then, uh, Alec is going to stand up and, uh, just raise his hand and be like, uh, I nominate myself. There are, uh, several gasps throughout the crowd. Uh, and, like, everyone's kind of, like, murmuring here and there. You, uh, you all hear a couple of like, what? I'm making sense, but it's never happened before. What? How could... And there's, there's murmuring, and, uh, Mayor Mulholland, uh, slams the gavel a couple more times, and she goes, oh, calm down, everyone. I'm sorry, uh, and, uh, she looks you up and down and goes, Alexander Everhart? Yes? Uh, Alex just nods. Yep, that's me. Oh, this is quite unprecedented. I... I, I don't know if it's well allowed. I, I suppose the, the the legion's demands are only that we must provide them with a sacrifice. He never said that the sacrifice couldn't be well self-willing. All those in favor? Um, and there, there, another murmur goes throughout the crowd as everyone kind of like tries to you know comprehend what's happening. Uh, there's a lot of blinking. Uh, Beth, you see your husband like just stunned, like. Like, he can't even process what's happening. And then, after a couple seconds, uh, a, a chorus of just, like, eyes here and there, and eventually everyone's raising their hand. Um, Mayor Mulholland uh, knocks the gavel a couple more times and just goes, Well, I suppose that determines it. The shortest decision we've ever had. Um, I suppose, Alex, if you're willing, uh, you can just come with us and we will prepare you in the holding cell. Um... Alec, like, makes his way through all the chairs and, like, down, I'm assuming, like, down the aisle that they have going on, and, um, he kind of, like, glances at, like, like, Beth and, and Jairus and, and Ray, and the sergeant, and just kind of, like, you know, not, not, like, in an obvious way, but just kind of, like, you know, acknowledges them, because, I mean, in Alec's mind, like, he's, he's hoping that this plan is, you know, whatever they're doing is gonna work, but there's, like, 25% of him that's, like, has accepted that he might die this way you know and it's just kind of like 
if this doesn't work, he might actually legitimately be sacrificed. So he's like looking at other people and being like, okay, like just like take it all in one last time, just in case. Um, and makes his way down the down towards wherever the mayor is pointing. All right, uh, the mayor steps out behind the uh, the uh, the podium. She puts her uh, hand on your shoulder and goes, Alexander Everhart. The citizens of Brandywine ex- uh, appreciate your sacrifice, especially as has never happened before, as willing as you have provided it. Still, the traditions must be maintained, and we will take you to the holding cell for the farewell ritual and then eventual taking by the Legion. Kind of like just kind of nods his head. Uh, and Mayor Mulholland and a, a couple of other um, citizens stand up and walk with you uh those of you who've been living this town uh, so mainly beth and alex know that those two are like two two people two or three people usually volunteer each year to essentially be bouncers to make sure any un- especially unwilling sacrifices get can be taken to the holding cell uh but obviously they, they, they all are kind of uncomfortable and confused what to do with themselves since they don't have to drag someone away <laughs> Um, and they all begin to exit out the way everyone entered. Um, before Mayor Mulholland leaves the door, she turns to the, the meeting hall and goes, Well, uh, everyone, uh, again, this was much shorter than we expected, but make sure to be at the ritual farewell uh, shortly, and feel free to take any more of the, the snacks in the back before you go. Uh, meeting adjourned. And she leaves uh, with Alex and Tell. Can we follow from a distance? Uh, maybe you can certainly try. Uh, you. I'm gonna try. You all just kind of disperse and meet up back outside, I guess. Beth is with her husband and probably doesn't want to leave him, um, so she may slip away briefly uh, just to catch up with them, but probably won't stick around for too long where does where does um, oblix go does he just like slink off to somebody or does he just like, keep sleeping under the chair <laughs> i think with with how he's been so far he's still sleeping under the chair <laughs> <laughs> i uh i think raymond is gonna tail i guess the bouncers they're, they're all like, bouncer. <laughs> they're all moving in one group yeah just like I, I, he's gonna find out where they're taking um, Alex to be to be held. That's fair. Uh, what is uh, Jarris doing? I'm probably gonna try and scrape Obelix off the floor because <laughs> we need him. That's fair. Uh, You're an important dog. I don't know why or how. But... And uh, and and Beth is just making excuses to to slip outside for a second. Yeah, just to meet up with the group. Um, it occurred to me we might want a way to keep in touch. That's fair. Uh, Jairus, you began, like, grabbing Obelix. A few people give you confused looks as you grab someone else's service dog. And Obelix very, like, <laughs> very dramatically, like, very slowly gets up and kind of huffs. And then, uh, you actually catch this. If you weren't, like, so focused on the dog, you don't think that you would. Uh, the, the dog actually rolls his eyes. And then begins following <laughs> you. Um, Beth... He, like, whispers, like, what did you man we need you to find 
owner, do you care? You can't just sleep here. Oblix goes, but you catch none of what that was supposed to mean. Um, (laughs) Beth, you you begin making excuses to, uh, you know, get away from your husband for a second to to catch up with everyone outside. And Sergeant Janes, uh, go and give me an act under pressure as you try and tell these people. It's an eight. Uh, eight. All right. um, Okay, I think... There are some people by the door that they, they exit by. Like, there, there's some people as they spread out before you can... Since you're, like, kind of keeping towards the back to keep out of sight, uh, peop- some some people will, like, kind of spread out after the meeting is adjourned, kind of move near the door that you're supposed to leave. And you can tell that they're not going to be there long. They're going to move eventually, but it will delay you a bit. So you can either barge past them and make a slight bit of a scene on your way out, or you can give uh, the people you're trying to follow a little bit of a lead. I don't I've got a... I've got a gun. I'm just gonna move through. Okay. Um, Wait. Th- do you have your gun? Didn't you leave it behind? I've got. I have. I have. I brought my pistol. Oh, okay. okay. He's got a sidearm. Yeah. Um, I forgot. More. More than one gun. Knife. Got it. Uh, yeah. You, you push past these people and they give you a a, a bit of a look. Uh, like obviously that's incredibly rude. Uh, one of them scoffs, but you make it past them and you you, you manage to get down the steps on the other side as the door behind. Uh, the retinue, as it were, uh, closes, and you get out front and you see them as they make their way towards a uh, unmarked white van. Totally unmarked, no plates or anything. Uh, there, there's plates. It's it's more All like right. a like a uh, like a, a working van that just hasn't had any logos put on it than it is like a mysterious, creepy government white van. They didn't even gotcha. offer me any candy first. Feel I uh, I throw a tracking device on it and then return to the rest of the group. Is that- is that a thing you have? <laughs> no, I definitely do not. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it can be if you, if you want. Like, you're. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, I do not think I have. That's that. fair. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. Uh, you 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 see them, and they are they 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 load Alex in the back. Uh, as you open it, you see that there's like a a, a set of um like chains to the wall of the back mm-hmm. but they, they, they do not chain alex up because again it's this unprecedented someone volunteered um and the mayor loads up and one of the the like bouncers loads up and the the other ones kind of stay back as uh the van starts up and it begins to drive uh to the road uh drives to the the you can you can kind of watch from where you are it drives to the um crossroads to the the west of the the fire department heads up north up in the direct generation um, legion he takes very close notes not notes but pays very close attention to where the the van is going and then goes to return to the steal rest a of bike group. or steal a skateboard and start sketching <laughs> yeah oh uh, yeah you, you take he actually is wearing future. wearing tactical heelys <laughs> <laughs> oh no you take notes and as you you head back towards the building um jaris comes out half dragging obelix and um shortly after beth uh rejoins the two of you and the dog um and y'all the 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 bouncer has since made his way back into the building y'all i saw where they where they took alexander just north we need to get back to the car and follow we can do that uh, everyone hop in the van and we'll start up our pursuit. I love that we're doing this in a minivan. 
It's so perfect. <laughs> Just all right. minivan hauling ass. Yeah, <laughs> chase you, you all load up back in the van. Obelix, uh, quite happy that he gets the whole uh, backseat to himself now. Um, leaving Beth's husband behind, I guess. Well, didn't he come in a separate car? I was going to say, uh, he did, he, yeah, he came in a separate car. Uh, she'll... Yeah, she literally, I said earlier that she was going to hop away just for a second to meet with you guys and then go back. So she'll go back uh, to him, say, um, I'll meet you back home in a bit, uh, and give him a, a kiss on the cheek, and then run back to the van. He gives you a very confused look as you go, uh, but you make it back to the van. Um, Beth, uh, you would definitely know where they're taking him, because... As- it's the same t- way every time the red moon comes. And you begin driving to the north up towards the, the Cherry Creek crossing just to the south of the Legion's uh, headquarters. There is a abandoned parking lot with uh, very little at it, uh, except some picnic tables and some torches off to the side, and a single suspended cage in the center, which, as you arrive, they are loading Alec up into. Wait, they're just loading me up into a cage? Yep. In the center of where? It's like a, a um, like an abandoned parking lot uh, a little bit to the south of the Legion's headquarters. Okay. Um, yeah, Alec is going to be doing everything willingly, but while he's doing it, there's this really big sense of, like, a little bit of anger and sadness um, because he's experiencing everything his sister experienced. So he just keeps thinking about how, like, scared and that she must have been while this was all happening to her. That's fair. The the three of you pull up maybe and you're, you're within view of it, uh, but not, like, you know, suspiciously close just yet. Uh, after they get... Um, after they get Alec into the cage, um, Mulholland and uh, the the bouncer that had driven with her go begin uh, like lighting the torches over by the picnic tables. Uh, you guys look at the clock, and it's getting pretty late in the night suddenly. Now, isn't it the next night that the beast comes, or uh, am I getting... You're thinking about it, and the, the night of the red moon is a somewhat of a misnomer because the issue is um tonight uh or sometime after midnight more specifically the the red moon will rise and then the sun will not rise tomorrow and the entirety of the next day is the night of the red moon that's creepy okay so we have littler time than i thought um yep memory fuckery is not helpful (laughs) Yeah. It's uh as as Mayor Mulholland had said, um the uh ritual of farewell is probably gonna, it begins pretty soon after the choosing where everyone comes together to throw a small kind of farewell party for the person they're keeping in the cage planning on sacrificing them. Oh, that's nice of them. Wait, and that happens before the sacrifice? Well, it doesn't happen uh, after. Yeah, it happens before the sacrifice. It happens very right, shortly, very shortly after they choose the sacrifice. So, like, people will probably be heading this way. Uh, okay, soon-ish. They yeah, they're coming here. That's why they're like lighting torches and there's picnic tables there. All right, so people are going to be coming this way pretty soon. Um, if we want to get them out now, we don't have too much time. Otherwise, we'd have to wait until after the the ritual. I mean, out of character, I I think, um, I think we should wait till after 
Like, yeah. like I think we should we should like basically wait as, and do it at the very last second, so that basically like mm-hmm. they can't pick someone else to sacrifice. Yeah. That's Jessica's input from the heavens. <laughs> Alex shouts that from the cage. <laughs> Wait, there's an omnipotent voice talking to me. No, I agree too. I think it's too early to break them out. I mean, our our main focus, I think, maybe is to, to defeat the beast. Is the sacrifice fed to the beast? Or is this a situation where they kill the sacrifice... And the beast never appears. That's probably a really good question that we don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. We've never been around for it. We've only ever said farewell and then gone back home. All right, well, here's here's my, my thoughts. We know where this is going down. We got a little bit of time. I say we go back to the, to the paladin's house here. I get my big gun, and then I have a big gun for when shit pops off. You know what I mean? I mean, having a big gun would be beneficial. In the in the in the business, as I like to say, this the word is foobar, but you know, I'd like to have that big gun if at all possible. You know, I've got a big gun. I'm already. I I need that big gun because I'm already talking soft, and I need the second part. (laughs) (laughs) Just like Teddy Roosevelt said back in the day, speak softly and carry a semi-automatic (laughs) AR-15.